you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Let's take our Bibles, turn over to Matthew 27. We're going to pray as we get started. Father, thank you for another opportunity to be taught by the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher, and we have ears to hear what he is saying to us as your church today. Help us to see in the life of Christ those things you want us to see so that we can follow Jesus more closely and do what Jesus would do in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're looking at your phone and you want to follow along with the notes, it's lifeway.church forward slash four dash one four, which is April the 14th, dash one nine. They've got it up there on the screen. Um, We're looking at another one of the phrases of the seven phrases that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross. This series for the past couple of weeks is called Famous Last Words. And so what Jesus spoke when he was on the cross uh, had significance. It wasn't just, um, you know, tell all my friends I said goodbye. He... The phrases that he spoke had weight. Last week, we, we looked at the first phrase that he spoke, or actually it was a prayer. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we found it was very significant that he prayed for his enemies. Jesus taught this in his whole, whole earthly ministry, uh, praying for your enemies and loving those who spitefully use you, say all manner of evil against you. But then up on the cross, when he was in pain, when he was within an inch of his life, when he was right between life and death physically, he said, Father, forgive them. That was his prayer. And so that's, that should be our prayer all the time. Father, forgive those. Forgive me. Forgive those. Um, because sometimes we really don't know what we're doing, right? Uh, he also said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He used another phrase, behold your son, behold your mother. He was speaking of his earthly mother and how um, his half-brother was connected there. Today we're going to look at this phrase that he used. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This word why becomes huge in our vocabulary as we're growing up and as we're growing as Christians. Why, why, why? He, he also said, I thirst. He said, it is finished. And then the last thing he said on the cross was, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So, back to the point where Jesus was hanging on the cross. How did Jesus get on the cross? He did everything right. He was born of a virgin. And he was born uh, not with the sin nature. So he was without sin. He was born to a a virgin. Um, He lived a perfect life without sin. He completely 
fulfilled the will of God and all that he did and all that he said. And he loved everyone unconditionally, even the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. He healed people with leprosy. He opened blind eyes. Everywhere he went for three years as he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, he went and healed them all. He taught and his teachings changed people's lives. Crowds and multitudes followed him. And we find at the end of his life on earth, his earthly ministry, he was unjustly accused of blasphemy. He went between Pontius Pilate and Herod and then back to Pontius Pilate. And then Pontius Pilate uh, asked the crowd, who, who, do, who, do, who do I give up? Is it Barabbas? Is it Jesus? Is it Barabbas? Is it Jesus? Who do you want? And the crowd chanted louder and louder, right? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Unjustly, he's hanging on the cross. Unjustly, before everyone. And he uses the phrase, one of the phrases, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that Jesus, when he said this, he was dealing with the feeling of being forsaken and forgotten. Jesus, at this moment, was not just experiencing physical death, but he was experiencing the weight of all the sin, of all sin. (laughs) And he was being crushed in his very soul. You know, sometimes we forget that Jesus had a soul. But the Bible takes us back to, and one of our scriptures today is going to be uh, that he was a taste, still touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses. He experienced these weaknesses. So he, Jesus uh, was all man but all God. And it's hard for us to comprehend that, that all, all God being embodied and, and fleshed with, with man and, and how Jesus had a soul. And he was, had feelings. But I believe that he was crushed in his very soul as he was hanging on the cross. And, you know, he asked this question, why? Jesus asked the question, why? You know, a lot of times there are things that happen in life that just don't seem to make sense. Does it have a good reason why it's happening? And we ask the question, why? Why do good people die young? Why does it seem that God answers some prayers and not others according to the way that we think he should answer the prayers, right? Why do some people have the greatest desire in life to get married and spend their life with someone else and they pray and they still go to bed alone at night? Why do some people who get married and promise to love each other and serve each other forever and ever end up crushing each other? Why do some of the couples that have the greatest desire to have kids not able to have kids? And other couples who are not trying to have children get pregnant. Why do so many things that just don't seem fair seem to happen anyway? And so as I was dealing with this message, I had to ask myself in my own life, have there been things in my life that we've experienced, my wife and I, that uh, Pastor Sheila and I have experienced in our own life, we had a, a friend, a young couple friend of ours that got married and they were excited and they were pregnant. They were, they were having a child and this child, uh, she carried uh, the baby full term. But then when the baby was born, it was stillborn. No heartbeat. Why? 
They were trusting God. We prayed in faith, believing. And yet the baby was born without a heartbeat, stillborn. My father, my earthly father, died at uh, what I consider to be a young age. He battled cancer. The Lord healed him. And then he got cancer the second time and died prematurely from my perspective. You know, if, if God is so good, then why do these things, things happen? We ask this question, why? I'm reading from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. I know it's a little sobering message here, but this is Jesus hanging on the cross that we're talking about. And every year we come to this place where we, we discover a little deeper what he was going through so that we can, we can connect with the heart of Jesus even more. Because, listen, when he was on the cross, he was connecting with our heart. And he does, he wants to answer our questions. He does. Look at this from Matthew 27, 45. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is Aramaic. And it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the first point here, Jesus asked the question, why? Why? And think about the perspective of Jesus at that point. He had prophesied his own death. He had studied as a child the scriptures that foretold of his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He said, you may kill this temple, you may destroy this temple, but in three days it's going to be raised again. Jesus understood what he was going through, but even at that point, he still asked the question, why? So, asking why is not because you're in a place of doubt. It's only natural to try to understand. Right? God created us with a mind. Now, there's a physical thing called the brain, but there's also the mind is part of the soul, which is the mind and the brain are attached there, right? We don't quite all understand how that happens. I mean, you have to be a, a brain scientist to understand some of that, but we have a mind. Everybody agree? Shake your head like that if you have a mind. <laughs> and we see that God wants us to understand. And so when we ask the question, why, what are we doing? We're trying to comprehend. We're trying to understand. We're trying to reason why things are happening the way that they are. So asking why is not because you're in a place of doubt. It's just that you're naturally trying to understand something. That should be comforting because there are those of us that are in the middle of a challenge right now. You need to take comfort because you're not alone. Jesus was being pressed. He was being challenged. His faith was being challenged as he was hanging on the cross. And he asked, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me at this very moment? And I believe this is why we have the scripture, Hebrews 4.15. They're going to put it up here in the New International Version. This is why we have the scripture. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. He's been tempted. We could say he's been tempted to ask the question why. But he asked the question why. He's been tempted with those thoughts. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. So asking the question why is not sin. Right? That should produce, produce some freedom right there. Because we all ask the question why. And we all know that Jesus can identify with us. Isn't that good news? That Jesus can identify with you. That, that was the purpose for, for bringing Jesus to the earth. So that he could identify with us. And we could see him being tempted and know that it's okay when you get to that place to ask the question, why? You know, one of the things that that bothers me about some well-meaning Christians is that a lot of times well-meaning Christians will try to offer oversimplified answers to very complicated situations. And it's, it's, it's bothersome because we want to offer help. We want to give our advice and maybe our opinion. But a lot of times it does damage, more damage than it does help. And there's basically three easy answers for hard times if you boil it down to three. The first one is it's your fault. It's your fault that you're in this situation. It's your fault. We've all heard this. It's your fault because maybe you're in some secret sin. That's why you're in this tough time. It's because you've disappointed the Lord, you're disobeying his word, and there's some secret sin in your life that you need to get rid of. It's your fault. It's your fault. Or how about this one? You just are not in faith. You don't have enough faith. You're not walking in faith. You're walking in doubt. It's your fault. You still, you still hear that reasoning, right? When somebody asks you, why? Well, why is this help happening to me? Help me try to comprehend and understand. Why is this happening? Well, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's, it's a simplified answer to a very complicated situation. The second position is it's the devil's fault. Satan's fault It's the devil, the D-E-V-I-L, the devil, right? He's mean, he's bad, and everything that happens that's wrong or bad is the devil's fault because he did it. It's the devil's fault. When really the truth could be that it's partially your fault and partially an attack of the enemy, right? Who knows? But we're still wrestling with this question of why. Why? And then the, th- the third uh, stance is, well, it's God's will. It's just God's will. Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Just whatever happens is God's will because after all, God allows everything. And so if God allows everything, th- think this through this reasoning, this logic. If God allows everything, then everything must be permissible God, in God's permissible will. So he, he wants you to learn from it. And so then... That's the answer. That's why you're having this tragedy and this terrible thing. It's because it's God's will because he allows everything and he wants you to learn something from it. 
So if we follow that logic of thinking, maybe we should pray for tragedy so that we can learn some things because I don't want to be stupid. Do you? No. But that's not the will of a good father that you experience tragedy. Guys, right? (laughs) It can be a combination here is what we need to understand. What's going on? What's going on? When when we hit a challenge, we want to know what's going on, and we want to answer to that question, why? Why? And Jesus dealt with this. He wanted to know why. It's not bad, but Jesus didn't stop with why. He said some things after that, and we're going to get to that. But let let me give you three things to remember in tough times. Write these things down. Three things to remember in tough times. Number one. You cannot know everything. Even though God gave you a mind, he gave you a brain, and how that functions, and you can be Einstein, have the natural IQ of a a, a genius, but you're still not going to understand everything, and you're not going to know everything. Although we want to know why. We want to know why. Jesus did not stay at why. He finished the seven sayings with, into your hands I commit my spirit. Total surrender, total trust. Total trust. James chapter 1 says what? When you enter into temptations, tests, and trials... Ask for wisdom, not ask the question, why? James 1 says, ask for wisdom, not ask why. Maybe you don't need to know the reason. Maybe you need to know how to move through what you're going through, right? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but there's there's a time when completeness comes. And what is in part will, will disappear. When I was a child, verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, right now, in this present time, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. One version says that we see through a glass darkly. We don't see clearly like we ought to see or like we will see. We have partial knowledge about things to the point that we can't know everything. But there will be a time when we will see face to face and we will know fully as we are fully known. So, number one, we can't know everything. Number two, we're all tempted to give up. 
We're all tempted to give up. And the challenge from the enemy at that moment with those thoughts coming to Jesus, your father has forsaken you. Your father, you're out of your father's hand. You can never fulfill what he called you to feel, fulfill. You'll never accomplish what he's called you to do. When Jesus was struggling with that thought, asking the question, why? The devil wanted him to give up. He wanted him to quit. And so the second thing to remember when we're in a tough time is that, listen, this temptation is coming to cause me to give up. We're all tempted to give up. We're all tempted to give up. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or 10 and verse 13, just a couple of pages to your left from where you were, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. I'm reading from the New Amplified, uh, I'm sorry, from the New International Version first. It says, no temptation that has overtaken, has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I like what the message says in this verse. This is what the message says. We got this on the screen. The message version. The message version of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. You see that? All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. When I'm pushed and pressed into a tight place, I look for the way of escape. And if I'll just give my hand to his hand... He'll take me by the hand and lead me through the way of escape. Now, it won't be necessarily the way that I choose. Because I may say, Lord, I want to go around this. Is there, is there like Jesus in the garden, is there any other way? <laughs> he's, he's got the cup. Is, it, 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 is there any other way we can do this? Nevertheless, he used that big word, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right? We, we, we prefer to go around it, above it, beneath it. We, the very last thing we want to do is to have to go through it. Right? But we're all tempted to give up. So we have to take hold of his hand and let, and let him show us the escape route. And that escape route is always through steps of trust. Steps of trust construct the walk of faith. Steps of trust will construct the walk of faith. People talk about faith like it's just an instant. But it is a lifestyle. It is a choosing every morning to get up and trust God another day. Because each day you trust God is another step of faith. Can you see that? When you trust God, it is taking a step of faith. 
But listen, today I trust God, but tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to trust God again. Because I'm walking the walk of faith. It never finishes for the life, through, through the whole life of a believer. I'm a believer because I choose to believe him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He's never given up on me. I'm never going to give up on him. It doesn't matter what comes, what goes, where I find myself. I'm going to trust God. How about you? Just because you're tempted to give up doesn't mean you have to. Point number three to remember in a tough time is every day that you trust him is a step of faith. Kind of got ahead of myself, but that's point number three. Every day that you trust him is a step of faith. Did you ever notice that steps move you forward? God didn't design us to walk backwards like this. In fact, it's very dangerous. I'm not going to do it and show you how dangerous it is. But we were made to go forward. Look at your neighbor and say, you were made to go forward. Just telling somebody you were made to go forward encourages you to go forward, right? God wants you to break through what you're going through. Psalm 23 says, even though that I'm walking, I may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because he is with me. And if he's with me and he's in me, then he's for me, right? Don't sit down and give up. Don't give up. Get up. Don't give up. Get up. And let's keep walking. Keep walking, keep going, keep moving forward because every step of faith is a step in the right direction. Don't sit down in the why. <laughs> Don't allow yourself to sit down in the why. Get up, step up, stand up, put on the armor, and let's move forward. Let's move forward because every day that we trust him is a step of faith. Now, we need to see from the Father's perspective and see how he sees things to get this perspective of faith. Back to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. The Father forsook him. This was the perspective of the Father. First, first point, there's two points here. The first point is the Father actually forsook Jesus because Jesus became sin. Look at the scriptures here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. We quote it a lot of times, but do we understand the, the, the total impact of the scripture? It says, God made him, speaking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, back up to the first part of that verse. The reason that God had to forsake Jesus is because Jesus actually became sin. Think about that. He had to go through that in order to pay for our salvation. Aren't we glad that the Father forsook Jesus for a brief period of time? A big, he had a bigger plan. Aren't we glad that Jesus didn't back out? Although he was tempted... Although he asked the question, why, he continued to go further 
He continued to go further. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave, the, the King James Version says he gave up the ghost. That means he breathed his last and he, his spirit left his body. And he went where he needed to go to do what he needed to do so that he could be resurrected. Aren't we glad that God delivers us through temptation, through tests, and through trials? But we have to see from the Father's perspective. The second point from the Father's perspective is that the Son was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Now we emphasize by his stripes we've been healed because when we experience pain in our body, we need healing, right? But think about just... Not, not think about the healing part of the scripture. Let's think about how he became sin and he was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. He bore his sins in his body on the tree. At that moment, he said, why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason was so that we, we could become Righteousness of God in Christ so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. God is holy and will not and cannot tolerate sin. And God is just and will judge sin where it's found. But also, listen to this, God is love. And he devised a way that justice would be satisfied and forgiveness made available. And that's where the world cannot comprehend. It is a mystery to them how God can be a just God and judge sin and a righteous God and be a God full of love and grace and mercy who provided his only son as a sacrifice, as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth and require the blood of his son to satisfy the payment of sin for all eternity. That, that, that blows your reasoning. That supersedes the word why. <laughs> that overwhelms you when you grab hold of the love of God. That's why nothing can separate you from the love of God. Because when it grabs hold of you and you grab hold of it, there's not a devil strong enough. When Jesus submitted himself to the Father and said, Father, into your hands I commit and I submit my spirit unto you. I am forever yours. I don't understand what totally what I'm going through, even though I prophesied that I would be at this point. I submit and I trust you. I take your hand. I reach out by faith and take your hand. I'm taking a step of faith. I'm taking your hand. This is where we live every day. I crucify myself daily. I live in that place of total surrender daily. My will has to bow to his will daily. That includes constantly asking this question, Lord, why? Show me, show me, why? Show me, show me, why? Remember, James says, 
When you, when, when you come into a temptation, test, and trial, you need wisdom. You don't need God to explain to you the reason that you're there. <laughs> now, there's many times where I've gone through something. It can be two years, three years later, and, and the Lord will show me. There's some things he still has never shown me. And you know what? I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Because my life is in his hands, and he has total control of me. Because I surrender daily. I know there's people this morning that may be dealing with some heavy issues. Let me assure you that Jesus was there on the cross dealing with heavy issues because of the words that he spoke. We can see what he was dealing with. And even though he asked the question why, he trusted his father. And he's with us this morning. And he wants you to trust him with what you're dealing with this morning. Right there where you are. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But I, I really want this word Emmanuel that we sang this morning. God with us. Because the Father forsook Jesus. Jesus even said, no man can pluck you from my Father's hand. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You'll never be forsaken by God because Jesus was. Because he was, you'll never be. He's with you. He's for you. He goes before you. He, he comes behind you. He encompasses you. As a shield, he loves you. He's ordained your steps. He knows the hair on your head. He loves you just like you are. That's amazing. That's amazing grace. If he loves you just like you are, but he gives you the power to change, the grace to get better, wow. He's invested in you. He's prepared your future. And it's bigger than why. Your future is bigger than why. Thank you, Lord. If you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus, the best decision you've ever made, you'll never regret it. If you've ever felt like you've been abandoned, maybe, maybe you've been adopted. You don't know who your natural parents are. I met people this past week that were adopted, don't even know who their natural parents were. But there was such a, a peace in this person's heart that you could never tell that, that this person was adopted. And, and he wasn't, wasn't struggling to find his identity because he found his identity in Christ. When you choose to follow Jesus, he'll begin to reveal his will for your life. If you want to do that today, I want to... I want to give you the first step. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. If there's anybody, Lord, that's listening right now in this room or by internet or video later that hears these words that wants to follow Jesus, I thank you for that person, Lord, those people that need to move forward. 
that need to move past the why and totally surrender. Thank you. If that's you and you want to choose to do that, you just simply say, Father, I believe. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me. Just say that right there, right now. Heavenly Father, I choose to believe that Jesus died for me. And I give you my life. I move past all the whys. And I thank you for the way of escape. Thank you for your salvation. I take it because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Today, I choose to follow him. Amen. If you made that decision, I want to challenge you. I want to ask you to do something. After you made the decision, it's very important because the Bible says that we're joined together with the rest of the body of Christ, that Jesus makes us one through our confession of faith. What we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, it makes us part of his body. And so you need to tell people what happened to you. You need to make that public declaration through baptism, water baptism. It's very clear in the scripture. Jesus told us to go and baptize. And so that's why we do it. So if you've made that decision today, follow that up with a profession, a confession to, to those people that know you, that love you, that are following Christ, that are Christian. And then be baptized. Father, I just pray right now for those that... Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.